And welcome once again to the Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number to get hold of Savan anytime. It is easy. You probably memorized it, 416-216-5910. You can go to insuranceinjurylaw.com and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's do this. We always start with the week that was. Uh, yeah, this week was uh, very busy as, uh, as it has been for the last uh, uh, several months, really. It hasn't died down, uh, despite the fact that many people are on vacation and uh, up at the cottage, cottage country, they're boating. And that actually leads me into uh, the first call that we got, um, uh, that I want to tell you about, uh, that we got this week. And I'll be speaking with these people uh, um, in, in more detail in the weeks to come. Okay. Uh, last, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, there was a major accident on one of the major lakes, uh, Lake Scugog, actually. A boating accident. A boating accident. Wow, okay. It was fairly severe. It was all over the news. Uh, very serious injuries. And uh, I've been contacted by one of the parties who's, who's a listener of the show, and I'll be speaking with them in more detail and meeting with the family mm. to understand exactly what happened and seeing if I can help them. And, and that leads me to uh, a few tips that I want to give uh, some of our listeners who perhaps are in cottage country or from the city and have boats uh, or sea dues and, and other such uh, devices, uh, pleasure crafts. Make sure that you take insurance on these pleasure crafts, okay? Uh, if you are in an accident, God forbid, uh, if it's your fault and if a claim gets started against you uh, for personal injuries, you want to make sure that you are protected. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that uh, no one's going to go after your house or your assets. So make sure that, uh, first of all, you have uh, the, the um, uh, pleasure craft operator card, right? I mean, you have to actually pass uh, an exam and you have to get that. You can uh, do that online, you right? Can do so online. it's not that difficult. It's Just not do difficult. it. Just yeah. do it. Make sure you yeah. do it. Make sure you know the rules of the water. Uh, there's, there's specific laws that deal with boating accidents and you need a lawyer if you are injured in a boating accident that actually knows the law as it relates to uh, uh, to, to water type accidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, make sure that you do have insurance. Uh, so, so that was the first case and I'll tell you more about that as the case progresses. Well, it's interesting because most people, obviously, uh, you know, large watercraft, you know, yacht type boats or, you know, four passenger bow riders, anything of that size, you'd automatically think insurance. But guys who just go out and get like a 14 foot aluminum with a, you know, a nine right. horsepower Merck and do some fishing in it, or guys with sea dues, you wouldn't always automatically think that you need insurance for of those. Of course not. And, right? and you know, and most people that think that they need insurance, they don't think in the context of what happens if there's a collision, what happens if there are injuries. They're thinking, what happens if my uh, boat gets uh, damaged? What happens right. if you know there's a storm and it gets written off? Which, by the way, happened to my father a few years ago, so that there was useful that we were able to get a settlement out of it uh, and, and purchase for him a new boat. But no, I'm talking about uh, the larger context. What happens if there's a serious accident on the water and, and you know, there is no remedy? I mean, what do you do? Who, who do you go to, uh, to, to to either protect you in the event that there is a claim that gets started against mm-hmm. you? Uh, or, and what happens, by the way, if you're the one who's injured and the person who has that boat uh, doesn't have insurance? And then you have to go after that person and you have to go after their assets, et cetera. Do you really just got to cover motorized craft? I mean, I can't see a couple guys, you know, bumping each other in a canoe is going to be, you know, deadly force. But yeah, I, mean, I don't think. A canoe is, yeah. Right, you know and what I, I mean, have a canoe, that's right, and I don't have insurance on right. a canoe. No, yeah, I'm talking about motorized craft. Yeah. Cool. Okay, second Absolutely. one. So a second one deals with a long-term disability claim. And again, it's been um, really prominent now in my practice. I'm seeing a lot of people who are contacting uh, us uh, for the purposes of getting advice on long-term disability claims. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you about one call that I got. This was a listener, a long-time listener, and she called uh, on behalf of her husband who has been on long-term disability. Uh, and uh, her husband had a serious accident a year ago. He broke, uh, broke three ribs, uh, his nose. He crushed uh, one of his vertebrae. Wow. His, he hasn't been able to go back to work. He's a mechanic. Uh, now, the long-term disability insurance adjuster 
uh, is saying uh, that he should be able to go back to some modified duties uh, in the garage. Uh, the problem is that he can't stand for more than 10 minutes without pain, as you can understand. He's yeah. got a crushed vertebrae. Oh, yeah. uh, and believe it or not, uh, they've cut him off, off of these benefits. They haven't sent them to any of their doctors. The adjuster simply decided, based on the medical documents that she has reviewed, that this person, uh, this disabled individual, clearly disabled, should be able to go back to some kind of job. Clearly, that is absolute nonsense. And of course, you know, she called me. Her husband is in depression. Her husband is panicking. They're both panicking. You know, they have bills. They have kids. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't know what to do. And I said to her, don't worry. We will deal with it. We'll take over. I'll deal with the adjuster. You and your husband will not have to listen to her again. You will not have to uh, correspond with her by email or anything. And that is a huge relief. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to resolve this. And we're going to resolve this on a very reasonable and equitable basis for them. Uh, but again, for people out there who are facing insurance adjusters on a daily basis with their claims, if you are on long-term disability, if you know someone who is on long-term disability, uh, just dealing with the insurance company it, it takes its toll. You know, oftentimes people tell me uh, they, they regress uh, in their progress. Well, they, the they stress exacerbates everything, The stress everything, of dealing right? with yeah. insurance, exactly. And, and yeah. there is no reason for that. Just give us a call. Give me a call. We'll talk about it. I'll tell you exactly what your options are. And, and you'll know exactly what you can do and what you can't do. Oftentimes, there are solutions. In the meantime, does he can he get reinstated fairly quickly while you resolve the rest of this? Well, th that depends. Uh, right. Generally, in disability claims, uh, you either get a reinstatement of the benefits, right. uh, so, so there is a retroactive pay to the date of cutoff and reinstatement, or uh, the insurance company opts to uh, per perhaps settle the entire claim, uh, what's been owed and what's going to be owed for the future, in a lump sum. That's why you call that number 416-216-5910. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. So Van, we're just getting started. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. And back with more of the insurance and injury law show. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca through email and the phone number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910. Let's get to this and maybe throw an example out there as well. I'm talking about injurycalculator.ca. Right, and we've been talking about this for a few months now, John. For everyone out there who's been in an accident uh, that's not their fault and they've been injured, now there is a tool, an online tool, a free tool, an anonymous tool for you to be able to plug in a few key pieces of information and be able to understand and know uh, what your injury is worth from a dollar of value standpoint under the law. Uh, and this applies primarily for Ontario. And how did we create this calculator, right. which is uh, one of its kind in Canada? Uh, we've had a team literally sift through uh, hundreds and thousands of cases uh, across the, the country, really, except for Quebec. It's a different jurisdiction, but yep. across the country. And look at similar cases where somebody has been injured. Uh, they've broken their shoulder, their knee. Uh, they had aches and backs, uh, uh, sorry, aches and, and, and pains in their back. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And, and you know, what have judges awarded in those kinds of cases. And they've taken all this information, distilled it, put it into a, a database uh, database format, and, and we've created this calculator. So if you want, we can go through an example. Sure. We're going to go to injurycalculator.ca. You plug in the accident date, uh, the location of the accident. So let's say Toronto. Sure. Uh, how old are you? Uh, let's say that uh, you are 35. 
15 years uh, younger than what you really are, John. Wow. Right? No, no, never mind. Uh, what You're was not the that cause far of off, injury? actually. That's a scary part. <laughs> uh, car accident, sure. That's right. Yep. Car accident. Who was at fault for the accident? Someone else. Savan. Did the, <laughs> the, obviously. Did the injury affect your income? Yep. Yes. Uh, and you press continue, and then it asks you, uh, what part of your body was injured? Back. Uh, your back. Yeah. Okay, so we'll click on the back. This is, of course, just a fictitious run-through for the point Absolutely. of example, right? Now, now John, uh, did you have a tear of a ligament or a muscle, a disc bulge, fracture, or a sprain or strain? Disc bulge. Disc bulge. Sure. All right, continue. And it's asking me, uh, are, you, uh, are you experiencing severe chronic pain? Yes. Okay, so we say yes. Press continue. And here's what pops up. According to our survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to 50000 all the way up to $72,000 for pain and suffering. Right away, I got that number. That's pretty right cool. Right away, you got, you got it. Exactly. Anyway. And again, keep in mind, every case is specific. We have to look at the facts. And this just deals with pain and suffering. I mean, we've spoken about that before. In many of these cases, people have difficulty going back to work. They can't work overtime. Perhaps they need somebody to come to their house to help them with housekeeping, with shopping, grass cutting, all these expenses, all these amounts that would add up uh, are above and beyond this right. amount that this calculator tells you that you are owed. And of course, if you want a more in-depth analysis of your case, again, free consultation. There is a submit results for a free consultation at the bottom. And, and I, I simply get that. And, and we have a conversation, whether it's by email or by phone, and I'll tell you exactly what you may be owed. It's a nice baseline because before this tool, you'd have to literally get on the phone and talk to you, then go through the information where you've been, one of the accident, all the stuff you punched in on your own at home on a computer to get that information. That's right? exactly right. But, oh. but you know, even more so, ma- many lawyers, and rightly so, they are afraid to give you a particular number or even a range of damages. A- and why? Because, again, perhaps you're experiencing very, very bad back pains right now, but in a month from now, they'll dissipate or they'll go away altogether. And yes, absolutely, that may uh, change the value. In fact, yep. they will change the value of the claim. But what this calculator does, it gives you, like you said, a baseline. It allows you to understand or have a concept of what you may be looking at. And that's the reason why you can't simply rely on that. It's a tool, right? It doesn't determine your case. It allows you to get an idea cool. of what you could be expecting. Want to drop us an email? Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got one from uh, Don. No, we'll go to Howard from Ajax. Says, I was in a car accident about nine months ago. And the tow truck driver drove me to a f- uh, physio clinic and gave me the card of a lawyer to call. God, he's a one-stop shop. It was uh, very suspicious, so I went to a clinic I used before for an ankle injury and haven't called that lawyer. Who, by the way, advertises everywhere? Is this common and is it even legal? Howard, it's a good thing that uh, you decided to uh, not accept this person's advice and okay. actually go to the clinic that uh, that you know. Unfortunately, this is very, very common, and I would say it's one of the, uh, the the darker side of our profession where you have a lot of these kinds of uh, intertwining businesses, uh, tow truck drivers, physio clinics, sometimes doctors, lawyers, uh, who, of course, uh, all want to make a buck. Sure. And, and who knows what the relationship is, but obviously if he's bringing you to a physio clinic, if he's telling you to call a particular lawyer... He's lying in his pockets, He's probably. getting something, yeah. exactly, and of course he doesn't care if, if that person, uh, the, the, the lawyer is a quality lawyer or if the clinic is a quality clinic. Makes so, sense. you know, if you're in that situation, uh, don't 
uh, agree to go to that physio clinic. Don't agree to call that lawyer. Do your research. Do your due diligence. Make sure that uh, if you're going to a clinic, you know, what do I always say? If you need treatment, physiotherapy, acupuncture, any of that, make sure you get a referral, mm-hmm. either from your family doctor or someone you know that you trust, a friend, or perhaps you visited a clinic before. Uh, is it legal? No, it's not legal. I mean, it's you not, can't. Eh? Well, it, it's, well, it's not legal. I mean, you can't. You can't tell somebody to go to a particular location like that, and and you know, uh, get a referral fee like that. I mean, that's that's it's all cash. It's yeah. all cash. It's it's and you know what? Even more than that, it's unethical and it's yeah. immoral, and and it's very rampant. And it's one of the reasons why insurance companies uh, oftentimes flag a lot of clinics because they know that many clinics actually operate this way. They literally pay. Certain individuals, third parties, like tow truck drivers, to bring people to them. So no, make sure that you do your due diligence and make sure that when you choose a personal injury lawyer to represent you, especially if it's a serious case, that you do go to someone that knows what they're doing and has a reputation uh, that that precedes them. We'll get to more emails a little later on. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the number 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savannah outside of... Show hours. Question for you then. So who covers the cost of treatments in, uh, say, a car accident case where and what happens if you stop getting funding for treatments? Very, very good question and a question that clearly arises when anyone is in a car accident and gets injured. Uh, in Ontario, as we've spoken about this before, uh, we have a, uh, a um, dual system for car accidents. What does that mean? It means that uh, if you're injured in a car accident, your own insurance company or the insurance company of the vehicle you were in at the time of the accident will cover your treatments. Okay. The question is up to how much? What is the limit? And, and you know, we, 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 have, we have a law that says that if your injuries are not serious, and again, what does that mean? We can get into it later. But mm-hmm. if they're not serious, so let's say a sprain or a strain, you haven't broken anything, you haven't right. torn anything, you're going to be placed into the minor injury guideline. The MIG. The MIG. And what does that mean? It means that you have up to $3,500 for treatments from your own insurance company. Now, oftentimes, we're able to get people outside of the MIG, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, we say that, look, uh, uh, they have severe psychological trauma from the accident, or perhaps they had a pre-existing condition that prevents them from from healing because of the accident. These are exceptions to the MIG. And and if you're outside of the MIG, then you're entitled up to $50,000 thousand dollars of benefits of treatments if you get cut off and you still need treatments we can uh, we can we can we can deal with that and i'll explain it in a second okay we'll take a short break and get back into that one if you're in that category listen up 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance insurance injury law show continues right here at talk radio am 640 back into it more of the insurance and injury law show 416-216-5910 that is savan's direct number and help at the insurance lawyer.ca uh, we'll get to an email from don here in just a minute but when we left we were talking about uh, coverage and what happens when coverage for treatment stops that's right, right. so when it stops there are really a few options that you have uh, first you can speak with the clinic uh, director of the clinic or the providers and see if they will continue to treat you and 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 essentially allow you to pay them out of a settlement down the road. So put it on it's your like tab. It's like an IOU, like, yeah, like a tab, exactly. Right. And very, very important that you understand what that means. It right. means that down the road, you're going to owe that money. Okay, even if there's no settlement, you're going to owe that money. That's the expectation of the clinic. What you have to uh, be careful about, and, and again, this comes back to uh, Howard's, Howard's email before about mm-hmm. you know the interplay of clinics and lawyers and tow truck drivers, etc., 
is, is that you want to make sure that the clinic you are dealing with is not making a side deal with your lawyer. Oftentimes, there are relationships between the clinics and the lawyers. And so the clinic would call the lawyer and ask the lawyer, how much more can I treat your client? In other words, what do you think you can get for us down the road as part of a settlement? Yes, I've probably opened the eyes of many people and many wow. people who are probably shaking their head and saying, yeah, I've experienced that. Again, very important that you have a discussion before before you go that route with the clinic, with your lawyer, and make sure that your lawyer is on board and make sure that you are uh, um, involved in any discussions between the clinic and the lawyer with respect to what treatments you are going to continue receiving and how your tab is going to continue uh, rising. Because you want to make sure that when the time comes to settle your case, you're not hit with $20,000 worth of treatments that you owe the clinic. So would you say to your lawyer before the clinic says, so look, how much more can I can I go here until I'm, I'm covered? Like what, you know, can you ask your lawyer that question? Same question that the clinic would ask the lawyer? Absolutely. You have to have uh-huh. a frank discussion with the lawyer and say to the lawyer, listen, I, I still need treatments. I, I need, you know, the clinic is, is agreeing to provide those treatments so long as I sign something that says that they get their money when my case is settled or if it goes to to court, which of course almost never happens. Right. And, and you know, you need to have that conversation with the, with the lawyer and make sure that the lawyer is on board with that. So and you that should be lo- good for X amount. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And again, you want to be in a situation, you don't want to be in a situation where a year down the road, the, 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 your case settles and suddenly you owe a clinic $20,000, no, but your suck. settlement is $15,000. Right. Right. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. Right. And I've seen cases where clinics have gone after uh, individuals and the clinics are saying justly, you owe us this money. And the client says, I thought my lawyer was taking care of it. And the lawyer says to the client, no, I, I never got anything in writing. And there was no communication. So don't just leave everything in the hands of the lawyer and the clinic. Make sure you are involved. You got it. And, and if you're, again, it comes back to the lawyer as well, because lawyers who deal in this area, they know. They know how the game is played, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that everything is above board. So if you are going to go to get those treatments from the clinic, you make sure that you are copied Uh, on all correspondence with the lawyer and that you are very aware of your lawyer's assessment of your case and whether or not you'll be able to cover those treatments down the road. You want to drop us an email? We'd love it. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got Don, as promised, from Richmond Hill. Don says, I've had a personal injury case going for six years now. Very frustrated. We were at uh, mediation about a year ago, and I wanted my lawyer to accept the insurance company's offer, but he kept saying that it was not enough money. We didn't take it. We didn't take it. We didn't settle. So I'm really upset that we didn't. Uh, can I tell him to accept that offer from a year ago? Don, that's... Why is he waiting? Well, okay. So I've seen this happen before as well. First of all, Don, if you instructed your lawyer to accept an offer, the lawyer had an obligation to accept that offer irrespective of whether the lawyer thought that the offer was bad or, or not. I often tell my clients that, you know, when they retain me, I, I'm like the GPS on the road. I tell them where they can go. I give them the options. I tell them what's the fastest route, you know, what's the best option. But they are the ones who are controlling the wheel. They are the ones who are telling me where they actually want to go after I give them that information. Same thing here, Don. Here's the problem. I'm not sure that that offer that was available and presented a year ago is available now. When I used to do defense work, I used to, and I used to provide these kinds of offers to plaintiffs and plaintiffs' lawyers, I would provide a deadline. And the deadline is there for a reason. Because you want to make sure that uh, if if nothing happens by the deadline and the plaintiff doesn't accept, well, me as a defense lawyer, I'm going to start taking other steps to protect my client, the insurance company. And those steps uh, are expensive steps, which means that there's going to be potentially, potentially less money down the road for settlement. 
So again, it's very possible that the insurance company here uh, or the defendant, Don, is not going to have the offer available for you for acceptance. But if you are really keen and really want to see if it's available, you have to instruct your lawyer. And I would say do it in writing. Uh, make sure it's unambiguous and tell them you have to check if this offer is open. And if it's open, I want you to accept it. 416-216-5910. Help at the insurancesawyer.ca. We'll get to a couple of questions uh, that are employment related in the last minute here before we take a break. I'll give you this one before we, uh, we go to break. What happens if after an accident you have difficulty working as a result and you get fired? Well, first of all, if you get fired as a result of being unable to work, as a result of an injury, you give us a call on the employment matter, mm-hmm. okay? So I, I, we can help you with the injury, and I'll explain exactly what happens from the injury standpoint. But again, as I've said before, our practice at the firm is extremely unique in that our lawyers, we have many lawyers who deal with employment, and we have lawyers who deal with personal injury. And this is a hybrid situation. Right. You need protection on both sides. And so if you get fired, you call Lior, my partner, host of the Employment Hour, uh, and, and he'll deal with that. With respect to uh, the personal injury side of the claim, we are going to be going after the defendant, the insurance company, okay. for the losses that you are going to incur in the future as a result of being fired because of this accident. Because clearly, had the accident not happened, you would have been working right now. So, so yeah, there is recourse on both sides, on both ends. And, and by contacting us, we can advise you uh, globally what you need to do and how to protect yourself. We'll take a couple more of those in a minute. Questions uh, as they're employment related. The number in the meantime, as we go to break, 416-216-5910. That's Savan's number directly, by the way. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You want to reach us through email. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Talk Radio, AM 640. The number to get a hold of Savan directly for the Insurance and Injury Law Show is 416-216-5910. You can email us, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I'll get to one in just uh, a bit here. When we uh, took a break before we uh, took that short break, we were talking about questions as they're uh, employment-related. next one I got for you is this. If, if you can't do the same job after an accident because of the injuries, can you get compensation for the insurance company uh, for retaining? Uh, retraining. Retraining, rather. Yes, you yes. Can. Okay. You can, you can. And, and in fact, it's in the insurance company's uh, um, advantage, uh, benefit uh, to, to, to do that. Because if they can retrain you and you can get back into the workforce, it means less money that they have to pay oh. you. So oftentimes in car accident situations, the, the uh, no-fault insurer, so your own insurer, if you're injured, they will offer to pay for retraining. Uh, and oftentimes they will even do a, 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 you know, an assessment of what kind of other jobs you can do. Uh, th- that, of course, does not uh, take away from the fact that you have been injured and have a claim as against whoever was at fault for the accident. So keep in mind always that the retraining part is one aspect of, of you trying to get back on the horse, obviously, uh, after an accident. Uh, b- but there is the other aspect, which is that perhaps by retraining, uh, you, you know, you're going to be doing a job that pays less. Right. And again, who's going to pay for that, for that difference? And again, very, very important to make sure that the lawyer that you have understands uh, the concept of not just income loss, but loss of competitive advantage. So you are now less competitive because you can only do this other job, not your uh, you know, n- not the first job that you were trained for and, and went to uh, school for. And, and again, those kind of damages you can get from the defendant or whoever caused the accident, their insurance company. So it's not very difficult if I was a, uh, you know, working in a warehouse or a truck driver got injured. Now I have to be retrained. I have to go to college, take a computer course, for right. instance. That's possible. Absolutely. It's absolutely take- possible. And again, insurance companies love it uh, when you say that. And, you know, and again, you know, the, the last show that, that um, uh, we did, we spoke about uh, the, the myths and, and 
one of the myths are that some lawyers tell people, if you're injured, stay at home, don't go, don't go to work. Right. And what I was saying is that, no, that's actually the wrong advice. You should try to get back into the workforce. And why is that? Other than the fact that it's better for you and your family, uh, and by retraining, uh, you know, you're able to provide for your family, it also shows the other side, the insurance company, that you really are trying to mitigate your damages, that you're trying to lessen your damages. It gives you credibility. It means that you are not one of those people, quote unquote, who simply gets injured and then just sits on the couch and watches TV all day expecting to get a huge uh, lump sum settlement. So, so again, very, very important. Uh, you can get this retraining. You have to speak with your lawyer. Make sure everything is, is done correctly. Make sure that there is this discussion with the insurance company and, and see what's out there and, and what you can do to, like I said, get back into the workforce. Let's talk about that uh, competitive advantage uh, thing a little more. So if you were just about to start a job, you got injured, you lost the opportunity. Can you make a claim for it? Yes, you can. Uh, and, and that's an interesting uh, type of claim. So let's, let's break it down. What does it mean to be... Um, uh, to, to, to lose this competitiveness in, in the workforce. Uh, you know, let's take, for example, someone who uh, uh, works uh, at, at a union job construction. Okay, that person has been doing uh, sheet metal work for 30 years, and that person has had an accident, and mm-hmm. because of this accident, they, uh, he tore his shoulder. I had a case like that. That's why I'm bringing it up. Okay. And he's unable to do that kind of job. Perhaps he can do a different type of job, perhaps an office job, uh, a sedentary job, and perhaps that office job pays as much as the other job, the construction job. Okay. So let's say he's making 60 grand in the old job and he's making 60 grand in the new job. Well, does that mean he has no loss from an income standpoint? Yeah. No, it doesn't mean that. No. The law recognizes that because you are now injured as a result of someone's negligence, you're entitled to compensation for the fact that you are less competitive in the workforce in general. So again, let's think about it this way. What happens if this person now loses, for whatever reason, the office job? That person can't go and apply to all the construction jobs out there, which he could have done had the accident not occurred. So he's less competitive in the workforce. There has to be some compensation for that. And how do you calculate that? Well, that is extremely fact-specific and subject to negotiations. But the point is, even if uh, you're making the same money after the accident as, as you did before the accident, that doesn't mean that you're not entitled to some kind of compensation for the fact that you are now working with an injury. Let's get to an email before break here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Sundeep from Brampton says, my son was in a car accident three months ago. He worked full-time at Tim Hortons and uh, hasn't gone back to work yet on doctor's advice. He still hasn't received anything from his insurance company. How long does it take to get benefits started? Well, the, the answer is very simple. The answer is that it takes literally a few weeks uh, to, to get these benefits. So my sense is that something hasn't been done or hasn't been done correctly or the insurance company is dragging their feet for whatever reason. It's actually not that difficult to get these kinds of benefits, particularly income replacement benefits. So these benefits that your own insurance company pays you to replace your income while you're off work because of an injury. Uh, and so, Sandeep, I'm not sure if you have a lawyer or a paralegal or someone is dealing with the claim, but give me a call and we'll be able to resolve this fairly quickly, uh, get the retroactive pay that your son is owed and, and you know, get everything back on track. But no, it should not take months. This takes just a few weeks. To get that first bit, yeah, of, to, bit to, of cash. Going, exactly, right? to start getting ongoing benefits, accident benefits as, as they're called. And, right. you know, my concern actually, and Sandeep hasn't raised that, he's talking about uh, you know, the fact that his son can't go back to work, but what about the treatments? Is his right. son getting treatments? Yeah. Has it been approved yet? Again, we have to make sure the paperwork is done correctly and was done in a timely manner. 
Sundeep, that number is 416-216-5910. Keep that in your pocket and email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll continue on here in a minute just after break. Insurance and Injury Law Show and Talk Radio AM 640. Back in with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. 416-216-5910. That is Savannah's direct number. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Make sure you check out injurycalculator.ca next time you're online in front of the computer. want to talk about some long-term disability questions. Now, when someone calls you and... Uh, tell you that they are they're having difficulties with their long-term disability insurer i'm sure this is extremely common how do you know if they have a case well i I ask him a few basic questions first of all uh, to be on long-term disability or to be eligible for it uh, you had to have uh, been working at a place uh, that had long-term disability available to you and generally you start with short-term disability and then you go to long-term disability And, and you know what i ask them off the bat is why were you denied I mean, what is, what is the rationale? And, and generally, insurance companies, uh, disability insurers, have several reasons for why they deny a claim, uh, one of which is that uh, they say they don't have sufficient medical documentation. Okay. Another one is they're saying that, you know, our own doctors assessed you and they think you can go back to work. Uh, it, there's a variety of reasons. I call them excuses. Oftentimes, there are excuses. And insurance companies understand really well uh, that the majority of people are simply going to walk away. Okay, they take, it's a gamble for them. They understand that people are in a, in a dire situation. And I'm not saying it's always the case. Okay, I'm not going to paint them all with the same brush. I'm not going to say every adjuster is bad and evil. They have a job to do like everyone else. But what insurance companies, what, what their, their rationale is behind the business model is we will take as much premiums as, as we can and we're going to pay the least uh, that, that we have to. Okay, and and that's common. I mean, in every insurance context. So when someone calls me and tells me, "Listen, uh, listen, I've applied for disability. I've been denied. <coughs> Excuse me, or, or or I have been on disability for for the last few months or several years, and I've just been cut off. And here's the reason. I simply inquire about the reason. I'll ask them to send me uh, the email or the letter that outlines the reason for denial. I ask them to send me any medical documents or reports that they have. I ask them, obviously, how much they were making. Uh, I'm asking them how long have they been working? What is the nature of the disability? You ask all these questions. Generally, it takes me a few minutes, really, just a few minutes on the phone to to understand the context of the case and to tell the person you have a case or you don't have a case. And I'll tell you that in 95% of the cases or people that call me, they have a case. And why is that? Because generally, for people to pick up the phone or email me about a long-term disability disputes, they generally feel that they've been wronged, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and if they've been wronged, there is a reason. Most people are intelligent. And, and I say intelligent in a broad sense. I mean, they understand that they are owed something uh, because the insurance company probably told them you're owed that, and then the insurance company has taken it away for some reason. And it either makes sense why they've taken it away or it doesn't make sense. And oftentimes it doesn't make sense, which is why when we start these claims with these insurers, they end up settling the case. Okay, very important. Insurance companies love to settle cases. They often settle cases. Get you off the books. Right? Get you off the books. Uh, it's just a question of how to negotiate that. Uh, and, and, you know, let's say every case is specific, and we have to look at the fact scenario for each individual that, that calls and understand where they're coming from, why the insurance company did what it did, and how do we go about uh, remedying that, and how do we go about uh, providing 
that individual with the benefits that they're entitled to. Yeah, well, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes the insurance company doctor says, no, our doctors, our, our, our medical people say you're ready to go back. But your doctor says you're not. So now it's a he said, she said, he said, they said. What, who's right? That's very common. And uh, again, that's uh, something that would make uh, many people very cynical about our industry, uh, lawyers included and judges included. Doctors are supposed to give their unbiased professional opinion. The reality is, both in disability claims and personal injury claims, that you have, quote-unquote, defense doctors, and you have, quote-unquote, plaintiff doctors. And some of them work both sides of the aisle. Uh, But, uh, you know, what you do is you you look at the opinions, you look at the qualifications of the doctors. Uh, So I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a client right now that is suffering from debilitating depression and he's being treated by a psychiatrist. There's no question, absolutely no question, this person can't do anything. I mean, anytime I call him, he's crying on the phone and, and I've spoken to his wife and, and uh, friends of the family who have uh, called me concerned. There's no question this person, and it doesn't matter why this happened. The point is he's unable to work. Right. The insurance company still takes the position that he should be able to do something. Now, this is despite several reports that I've asked his own psychiatrist, my client's own psychiatrist, to, com- to, to prepare for me. Uh, and in my letters, I'm very clear. I say, in your professional opinion, can this person uh, go back to his or her job? Can they do any job for which they're trained uh, by, uh, they've been trained for or sure. have experience or education in? And whatever opinion I get is what I present to the insurance company. It's unbiased. I'm not directing them to say something. So in this case, I have the psychiatrist who's been treating my client for several years saying absolutely not he cannot go back to work. So what's the problem? The problem is that the insurance company had their own psychiatrist who's seen my client for about two hours, one time about two years ago, who said he thinks that my client should be able to get back to some kind of modified duty role. Well, that doesn't hold water. Of course it doesn't hold water, but that's what they're using. In, that's what they've used in order to cut my client off. And, and again, completely unfair, which is why very, it's very, very important that you don't fight the fight on your own. You go to someone who specializes in disability and injury law. They'll know what to do. They'll deal with the adjuster. And I'm guaranteeing you, John, that this client is going to get what's, what's coming for him. And the insurance company is going is, to pay. They're gonna, and they know that they need to pay. Right. And you know, you know what's funny? I have friends, adjusters, who work in the field. And oftentimes, uh, you know, we talk off the record. They must shake their head. They shake their head. Yeah. And, and, and you know what they tell me? They tell me, what am I supposed to do? You know, they I'm, probably I'm, feel I'm rep- bad, but they can't they, they represent they can't. the insurer, right? Yeah, no, they say, I'm reporting higher up. I'm reporting to a yeah. supervisor, to a manager. It's coming from down, you know, head office in the States. Nothing I can do. Okay, well, then nothing I can do either. I have to fight for my client, and we'll go all the way if we have to. We'll take a short break. I got one more question for you as it pertains to a long-term disability, and then we'll get to a couple more emails. Uh, 416-216-5910. That is Savannah's number to get a hold of them and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email. The Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. Back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Savan's number, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We left off talking about long-term disability questions. So if the insurer denies a claim but tells the disabled person that they can appeal this decision, I mean, it sounds absolutely silly, but should they? No. And you know, it's funny. You say it sounds silly because we've been talking about it for such a long time. For sure. And for most people, when they're told, okay, I've been denied a claim, and the adjuster says, yeah, but you can appeal it, who do you think you're appealing it to? You're appealing Probably it to the same the, people. It's the same people. <laughs> or maybe it's the people right you know, in the cubicle next door. Yeah. At the end of the day, most of these appeals are useless. The, the time just drags on. Months and months pass before the person understands that they're being toyed with 
And by then, again, either they've given up altogether because they're saying, you know, this process is endless, uh, or they contact a disability lawyer. And when they contact a disability lawyer, of course, what's a disability lawyer going to do? They're going to shake their head and say, it's too bad you appealed. We just lost, you know, three months, six months that we could have dealt with your claim during this time. So what I tell people out there is that if you've been denied for long-term disability, don't appeal. It's a waste of time. Give me a call. Let's talk about it. I'll tell you exactly if it makes sense for you to proceed. Now, here's the other thing uh, that people need to understand. Let's say you appeal, and let's say by some miracle, okay, they reverse their decision. And it does happen. I'm not going to say it never happens. It does happen. But let's say it happens. Do you really think that they're not going to cut you off at some point in the future? Of course they will. Yeah. That's the reality. Now, when you go to a disability lawyer and a claim gets started against the insurance company, the general way of resolving these disputes is on an all-inclusive basis. And what does that mean? It means that the insurance company ends up paying you a lump sum in the when there's settlement, taking into account what they owe you up until now. So from the date they cut you off, let's say a year, two years, three years ago, up until now, we calculate that. We look at how much longer you're supposed to be getting LTD. And, of course, there's going to be some kind of a discount. So if you're 50 years old, LTD was supposed to run another 15 years. Don't expect that they'll pay you another 15 years worth of LTD. Why would they do that in a lump sum? They might as well just reinstate you and then challenge you again in a year or so. Sure, makes sense. So for most people, the idea of appealing... Uh, it is is very appetizing. Why? Because you're thinking, okay, well, maybe I can get reinstated. I don't have to use a lawyer. But what you need to understand is that it's very likely that a few months down the road, a year down the road, two years down the road, you'll mm-hmm. get cut off again. And go through this again. You'll go through this again. And again, what is the rationale here? The rationale is that the more this happens, the more you get tired, the more likely it is you're going to give up on your claim. No insurance company is going to ever admit this. They're going to crucify me for saying this. But that's the reality. Think <laughs> about it. Doesn't it just make sense? It makes sense. They wear you down. Yeah, they wear you down. And they do wear people down. That's the reality. I, I, I have, I'm talking about some of the cases I have. I have another case right now. Uh, and we've talked about him before as well. He's, he's an old friend of mine that I'm actually doing a personal injury claim for him. And he's absolutely exhausted. He's exhausted with many things. It's not just the, the injury that he suffered. But again, it's, it's this exhaustion that I see on his face and, you know, that translates into, the, into his emails. And many people who deal with injuries, who deal with disabilities, are just exhausted. Mm-hmm. They just want to fo- focus on themselves, on their families, on getting back uh, and, and, and being better. But again, what, what, you know, the, the people that they're, that they're going to for help the disability insurer that's supposed to protect them, to pay them while they are off, uh, what happens with that? They, they, they get cut off and then they have this battle on their hands, right? And, and this battle doesn't help their, their medical state. You know, they, 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 they have to fight the insurance company. They have to fight uh, uh, perhaps their employer mm-hmm. if the employer is, you know, threatening to fire them, which happens often as well. So, so again, very important. If you're in that situation, don't give up. Give us a call. Give me a call. We'll have a conversation you, you will know your options, and that's really what it comes down to. It's this not knowing what you can do, not knowing w- what, what the future holds. I can't explain that to you. It's not going to take a long time. It's free, uh, and, and that's it. And <laughs> you, can, you can decide, you and your family, how you want to proceed. Let's wrap this up with a quick email. John from Whitby says, I'm on long-term disability, and my adjuster is saying that I have to apply for CPP disability. Why is that? What is it? Okay, John. Well, I actually had a call uh, just this past week from uh, a listener 
so CPP disability, um, clearly to qualify for that, you have to show that you have a very serious disability that's prolonged and ongoing, uh, and you have to provide various medical documents. Now, why are insurance companies, disability insurers, interested and, and why, do, why do they tell you that you need to apply for that? Mm-hmm. First of all, most policies, most disability policies nowadays uh, contain a provision that say that you have to apply for CPP disability uh, if you are claiming you are disabled. But why are insurance companies so interested in that? Mm-hmm. For a very simple reason. If you get approved for CPP disability, and let's say you get $100 a month as an example, they get a deduction for that. Nice. So if they were paying you 1000 bucks a month, but New Year, you, you now got approved for $100 from CPP, they only have to pay you 900 So of course they're going to be interested Big in time. you doing it, right? But again, these are the type of questions that I get on a weekly basis, and, and I invite listeners, if they have these kinds of questions, uh, or, or if, again, if they're concerned, they know someone who was cut off from long-term disability, don't be shy, give me a call, I don't bite. <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have a very quick chat, uh, or be on the phone as long as you want, really. Oftentimes I play psychologist on the phone, John. Uh, <laughs> as you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you're, you're going to know what your rights are. You're going to know what you can do, what your options are. And, and you know, you, you're going to feel much better because you're going to have that knowledge. Just take that phone call, make that phone call, send an email, 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca to send an email. And don't forget to check out injurycalculator.ca. Lots of information there. It's free. And then you can contact Savan uh, immediately following that. This has been the Insurance Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.